Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. Amen, amen. We uh, had a great time last Sunday. We was in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, we preached Saturday and Sunday, and three were baptized and uh, had one on Saturday night and two on Sunday. So uh, the Lord is moving in a mighty way there for Brother Chesser and uh, Keystone Apostolic Church. And we certainly appreciate Brother Chester and his friendship. And uh, we had talked and uh, we're talking about doing something more than just once a year uh, between us. And uh, so hopefully we'll get that lined out and get him this way for us once again. Uh, appreciate all who uh, took care of last Sunday. Uh, Brother Keith took care of the teaching and Brother Dwayne and Brother Caleb did all the uh, intros and uh, preaching, and so we appreciate them. How many appreciates the staff right here at CAC? I'm glad I can leave town and not worry about foolishness going on, right? Amen, amen. Uh, we uh, have some uh, prayer requests we want to make mention of, just a few, because I think that as we uh, cleared our list, uh, it's filling back up once again. But I do want to mention these because they are, uh, in fact, one just this morning. Uh, we want to remember Wendell Swartz in prayer. Uh, let's remember Paisley and Carson. Let's remember uh, Marvin Bentley and Irvin Justice. And uh, Irvin's still in the hospital. Is that correct? In ICU from the heart surgery. So uh, I'm going to drop in and have a word of prayer with him today. And uh, let's remember Shannon Pruitt, and uh, all, and I think uh, Lisa is now sick. Uh, Sister uh, Shauna was telling me so. Let's remember all of these. Uh, Sister Shauna has a lot on her. She's having to take care of all the sick. So let's just pray that she'll get strength. And if you have a prayer request, by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you blessed us to be gathered here today to study your word. Lord, you're good to us. You have given us health that we're able to be here. I'm thankful for Brother Chris who came through the situation with his heart. And thank you, Lord, for giving the doctors the wisdom to put a stent in. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that is gathered here this morning. Each and every one on our prayer list as we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord one more mighty hand clap. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me in the book of John. We're going to learn something today I think is important uh, that, um, that a lot of people question about this moving of the water. And the reason they question it is because that uh, it is um, not mentioned in some versions and some commentaries say in the original Greek it was not mentioned. Uh, the mention of the guy on the porch is, but not the moving of the water. But I believe God's powerful enough to send an angel to move the water. I believe he's powerful enough to make something so uh, so healing uh, that when somebody stepped in, they would be made whole. So uh, I'm just going to take the King James Version, and I'm going to run with it because I know that this is the book that has stood the test of time. Amen. So with that said, 
I do want to go to John chapter 5, and we're just going to read just a few verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Notice every time that it mentions Jerusalem, you go up to it. You go up to it. That's very important because heaven is not down. Heaven is not level. Heaven is up. So Jerusalem, you go up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, um, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man uh, answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately, the Bible says, the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to talk to us about this man. This man had an opportunity. He had a season. And that's what the troubling of the water to me represents. It's a season. Don't pass your season up. That's what I want to talk to you about. Don't pass your season up. You may be seated. One of the great things about um, this uh, chapter is when Jesus shows up, things change quickly. He doesn't have to have a month to do anything. He can do things in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. We find something in Matthew Henry's commentary that I thought was interesting, so I want to just read you a little bit about that in the commentary because it says, we all are by nature impotent folks or weaklings or uh, we're, we're weak in spiritual things, we're weak in blind, we're halt, we're withered in the spirit, we're, we're all in need of a healing, right? We're all in need of a touch from the master. I want to hear his word today that speaks to my heart and gets me off my porch. I want to make sure that I am listening for the voice of the Lord. And then we find that it says an angel went down and troubled the water. Now, a lot of people have speculated what this troubling looks like. Some people says that it began to kind of vibrate and began to kind of shake and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, agitate the water and, and all of those things. But uh, the Bible doesn't really give a specific. It just says troubled the water. And uh, I would like to say that uh, when you trouble something, you're causing it to act different, right? If, if you trouble me, I'm going to act different. <laughs> and if I trouble you, you're going to act different. So I believe that troubling the water, it made the water act different. We find that an angel went down and 
Whosoever stepped in first was cured of whatever disease they had. Boy, wouldn't that be great to have a couple of thousand of those pools around today? That we just sitting by the pool waiting for it to maybe start vibrating. I don't know if it vibrated like when you throw a stone in it and, and ripples start. I don't know if it's like a wash machine when it's agitating the water. I don't know what it was. I know it was trouble. And I know that it was acting different. But wouldn't it be great to have that today? That no matter where we are, that we could step into a pool and be made whole. Well, I got good news this morning. We are in a place where there's multitudes of opportunities for us to step in and get our healing. Amen? I don't have to look for the water. I have to look for the spirit. I don't have to look for a troubling. I just have to get out of my trouble and go to Jesus and cast myself before him. Now, this teaches us, I think uh, Matthew Henry uh, hit it right on the head because he said, this teaches us to be careful and not let a season slip away from us which may never return. Anybody ever heard seize the moment? Carpe diem, Latin. Took one year, that's all I know. <laughs> we, we look and we see that, uh, that this, uh, this uh, troubling was at a certain season, and they, they did not want to let that opportunity pass. And that's important, is that when we come to church, we cannot let an opportunity pass. We need to seize the moment. This is the moment you can get healed. This is the moment you can get your joy back. This is your moment that you can be touched like you've never been touched before. Don't let the season pass. The opportunity pass. We all have heard you got to sometimes, you know, when opportunity knocks, you got to open the door, right? Well, this man knew that. He knew the only opportunity that he had to be healed because for 38 years he had not been healed. For 38 years he's on this porch. So he knew his only way and his only chance of being healed was to simply get in the water first. But he had a problem. He couldn't walk. His legs were powerless. That, that's what it means when it talks about uh, being uh, impotent and, and powerless. That's what it means. He, he couldn't walk. He couldn't, he couldn't get to the water. He would drag himself. I'm pretty sure when he saw, he probably kept his eyes on that pool of water all the time. People walked by and he probably said, yeah, I'm away. I got to watch the water. Wouldn't it be great if we had that desire about the presence of the Lord? Somebody's talking to us and we say, oh, oh I got to hear the word. I got something coming my way. I, I, I need a, a word from the Lord. I need a touch from the Lord. Maybe somebody walk in front of you or sitting in front of you and you just kind of scoot over a little bit and say, I need to hear what's going on. So this water was troubled and the man, no doubt, began to drag himself because he told Jesus, he said, before I can get there, I don't have anybody to carry me there. I can't uh, be drugged there, so I drag myself. But as soon as I start, somebody's already in it, and they get healed. And so I just get back on the porch, and I just, I just sit there for another, another year. I, I've got a question. How many years are we going to sit in our dilemma? 
I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been up against. I don't know what your family's going through. I don't know what everything, uh, everybody on everybody's plate. But I do know this. How long are we going to just look at the plate? It's full. It's sad. It's depressing. It, it, it just seems like there's nothing that we can do to get out of our dilemma. It seems like every time we get ready to get out of our dilemma, something happens that somebody else gets the shout and we just sit and pout. Sometimes somebody gets the joy and we just sit in our situation. I believe that this is very important to understand. This story is a real story. It is a story of a man for 38 years who had this, uh, this powerless uh, disease upon him. And Jesus came to him and Jesus just simply asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? He didn't ask for his life story. You see, sometimes when people are asked, do you want a healing? Well, now, Pastor, I've been to a lot of doctors, and I've been to a lot of churches, and they've been pastors bigger than you prayed for me. You see, if we're not careful, we'll start giving our life story. The simple question was, will thou be made whole? Jesus is simply asking us, do we want it? Just look at somebody and say, do you want it? Ah, look at somebody behind you. You may have to stretch your neck. If you're arthritis like me, you may not get there. But just say, do you want it? That's all the Lord's asking. You don't have to tell him everything. You know, prayer requests is a good thing. Sometimes people say, well, praise God. Pray for so-and-so because they went here and they fell down and then they got up and then they went there and they couldn't get in so they had to go to another place. And they give all these details. And you know what happens when that happens? People start shutting off their mind. All they heard was somebody needs prayer, and all the rest of the time, it's like, right? That's right. We might as well be honest. We turn it off because why? Jesus didn't ask for the details. He simply asked a question, will thou be made whole? I think that sometimes we got to learn how to just simply say, Jesus, I got a need, and tell Jesus what it is. We, we, we got to have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We got to understand that once our faith gets increased, we can ask and receive. We can knock and it'll be open. We can seek and we can find. Isn't it great to know we don't have to wait for the troubling of a water? We just need a move of the Holy Ghost. We just need a move of His presence. We need to know that when I come on a Sunday morning, it may not be a shout down, drag me out to the car and drive me home service, but it is a service where we have an opportunity, just like Jesus said, will thou be made whole? He said, come before the church, let the elders of the church anoint you with oil, and the, they'll pray over you, and the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. you got to believe when you come, it's not a formality, it's not just going through the motions, it's not just saying, well, that's what the Bible says to do, so I'm going to do it. You've got to have faith that when you come, the Lord is going to do it. I thought it was interesting that going on in Matthew Henry's commentary, he says this, this teaches us to be careful that we let not a season slip 
We can't let it slip. It may never come back to us again. This is uh, a message that I have heard many, many times growing up in church from Sunday school till now. And that is, if the Lord deals with your heart, yield to the Lord, give your life to Jesus, because he's not obligated to ask you again. He gives everybody a chance. And some of us, like me, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. He's given me more than one chance. But just because he gave me more than one chance doesn't mean he's going to give you more than one chance. And that's why we have to seize the moment. Matthew Henry, I think, puts it right on the, on the nail because he begins to just talk. This man had lost his ability to move and walk and, and, and the use of his limbs for 38 years. Now, no wonder uh, he's looking for the moving of the water instead of the moving of Jesus. Jesus is right there talking to him, and he is still talking about the moving of the water. You see, sometimes Jesus is right in front of us, and we're still talking about, I don't know when I'm going to get my healing. Jesus is right there. I don't know when God's going to come through and give me a job. Jesus is right there. I don't know when I'm going to be an overcomer. I don't know when I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know when I'm going to find somebody to date and marry. Jesus is right there. You see, we got to understand that the moment, the moment can never pass because we may never get that opportunity again. 38 years. Jesus simply asked him. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he recognized him. The Bible doesn't say that he said, oh, yeah, you're the man from Galilee, the one that heals people. You can do anything. Calm the stormy seas, all that. No. He just looks at him and says, sir, and that's why I think he didn't know Jesus. That wasn't a, a respect in the way of what we would call people sir today. But I will tell you this. I don't believe the man knew who Jesus was. He thought he was probably just another person coming by the porch looking at all these people that's sick and diseased and the stench and, and all that's happening, rotting flesh and all this stuff, laying on the porch. And they probably he probably thought, Jesus is just another person passing by, walking, flaunting his ability to walk in front of me. But you know what? When Jesus looked at him, he said, Wilt thou be made whole? I think it's interesting that when that question is asked, that we find that there is a response, but it's not a response of just simply, yes. I, was, I remember back in the 80s, 80, probably 81, 82, I had a heart condition, and I was on medication to slow my heartbeat down. It was beating 126 times a minute. Every two minutes, it would skip a beat. And I felt run down, overwhelmed. I just didn't have no energy and all that. And I thought, here I am a preacher telling people that God can do anything. And here I am with this condition. So uh, one night, a service, a revival was happening. And I just got tired of being tired. 
And sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to get tired of being tired. You got to get sick of being sick. You got to you got to come to the conclusion there's something better for you in the presence of the Lord than coming and sitting on pews. Right? There's something better. If you don't believe there's anything better, you're miserable. For if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But I got hope beyond this life. But we see that uh, I went and I went up to the front. And I never will forget what Brother Frank Hall said to me. I walked up and I said, I want prayer. He said, well, you want prayer for? You know, and, and I've already got my hands raised and ready to close my eyes. He said, well, you won't pray for? I said, well, I got a heart condition. 126 times a minute, skips a beat every two minutes, and, and I said, I'm, I won't heal. He said something so intriguing. He said, do you believe God is able to do this? I thought, man, I'm a preacher of the gospel. But he was wanting me to speak faith. Because it wasn't all about who was praying over me. It was all about my faith believing that the Lord could do it. So I looked at him and I said, yes, I believe. And he laid his hands on me and anointed me. And the power of the Lord hit me. And I tell you what, my heart has been beating in rhythm from then until now. Amen. This man for 38 years no doubt every year was a uh, a challenge how can i stay on this porch anymore i can't take this anymore i i can't deal with this anymore they would hear people screaming as they died on the porch and they would be people that the rotting flesh would a, a puff of wind would bring the stench over his way and he could just smell death he had a death sentence on the porch. But Jesus came to him and simply said, Wilt thou be made whole? Verse 7 is his explanation of why he's not made whole. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately his legs received strength and his body received strength and he took up his bed and walked. He simply responded to what Jesus said. I think it's important today that we respond to what Jesus says. The Word of God is not a book that is just there for your reading. It's a book to get you motivated to follow Jesus. What he says, I will do. That's why it's called commandments of God. He commands and we got to do. He speaks and we got to respond. I believe that when we start responding to preaching in the way of which the Lord wants us to respond, it's not just our amens, it's not just our hallelujahs, it's not just our hand claps, but it's our response to the word that changes our situation. I think that sometimes we get comfortable on the porch. We get comfortable on the porch. We come to church. We go to church. We sing the songs. We clap our hands. We lift our arms. And then we go home. 
And we go home, what? To the same old, same old. Either sick, afflicted, trouble, arguments, all sorts of stuff going on. And you go back to the same thing. Why would we want to go back to the same thing? The man for 38 years is in the same condition. We've got to learn to start speaking, I believe. We've got to learn to start saying, I'm going to respond to the words of Jesus. And I guarantee when you go home, it'll be different. Now, that was a few amens. And the rest of y'all that didn't amen, you must not believe that. I'm going to tell you something. When you respond to the word of God, the word has power all by itself. It doesn't need me to yell it or tell it. It just needs us to read it and believe it. And once we do that, we can receive. You know that song. If you believe, you can receive. Right? But people's got in a, in a frame of mind today, blab it and grab it, say it and spray it. We do have faith that we respond to the word of God, things is going to change. I had faith that when I came to that altar, because why? His word said repent. So I responded to the word. And in 1981, I repented. And then I point to that side because that's the side I repented on at the church I was at. I could take you right now and show you the very spot where I went. See, the greatest thing that ever happened to me is when the Lord changed my life. Greatest thing that ever happened to you is when the Lord changes your life. And a life-changing situation can happen every service, right? Every service. We all have a pool here. The, you know what? The pool of Bethesda and, uh, and, and you know, it actually means... Uh, something that I want to kind of get into here, if I can, this morning. Because uh, there's, there's just something about that name. And, uh, and maybe I can give you an insight into what it means. And uh, that word Bethesda, it, it's a Greek word. And uh, it can be referred to as a place or house of blessing a house of healing, a house of blessing. So when I look at that, I begin to see that this 38-year problem was about ready to change in a house of blessing. How many knows that this is a house of blessing? Oh, when I come through the doors, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live, I am blessed. Till I, when I wake up in the morning, till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed, I am blessed. You see, we are blessed above measure. I don't know about you, but every time I come into this house, I am blessed. Amen. So when we look at this, we see the house of blessing. We see the house of provision. Bethesda. I may have actually gotten it uh, just a little bit of a, uh, uh, 
a different reference, but it's, it's literally uh, translated, I guess, the house of mercy. That's, that's, a, that's the original uh, Greek. The house of mercy because of its strong healing properties. The property of restoring health to the sick and those that are infirm. Bethesda. This is our Bethesda. This is our Bethesda. We've come to step into the house of mercy. And we've come to step in the presence of the Lord. And no matter what disease you have or problem you have, everybody say it don't matter. It don't matter what problem I got. It don't matter what I'm going through. don't matter what uh, sickness I have. I've come to the house of mercy. I'm stepping in blessing. And I believe the Lord is going to take care of my situation. The house of mercy. Well, you know, when you start looking at this, um, looking at how wearisome it must have been, how many sick people were on that porch, and how discouraging it must be when people sitting around on this porch talking about the moving of the water, and maybe it just moved, and maybe they're sitting and laying around saying, I wonder when the next moving's going to be. Uh, I'm going to try to get to the edge of the porch here. I'm going to get a head start. Man, if we had that type of idea about coming to church and getting involved in the service, I ain't, I ain't going to sit there. I'm, I'm going up front. I'm going up front where I can clap my hands and worship God. I'm, I'm going to get near the altar where if I decide I want to hit my knees, I can talk to the Lord. But you see, if we're not careful, we'll be like all of the sick folk on the porch. We're, we're there and we're hoping for a better day, but we're not doing nothing about our situation. The man, all he had to do was believe what Jesus said. Respond to the word. I'm going to tell you something. A preacher's a preacher, no matter if it's me or somebody else. A preacher's a preacher. As long as he's preaching this word, you need to respond to the word. Somebody once said, how can healing happen when so-and-so laid hands on so-and-so and they got healed of their disease? I want to tell you, the Lord honors his name. He don't always honor the preacher. I want you to know if you if you say, "Well, I got faith that preacher is is a is a uh, you know one of them faith healing preachers. He's gonna lay his hand on me, and I'm gonna be made whole." Well, you got your faith in a preacher. But if you come and you say, "I just need a touch from the master. I need a I need to respond to his word," then you come and we anoint you with oil, just as the Bible says. And if we follow what the Bible says. We are guaranteed a result. We are. We're guaranteed a result. I didn't come and repent to be lost. I got a result. I didn't get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ just so somebody would say, well, you know, that's, that's what you do after you repent. You just get wet. No, I responded to the word. Do you know that the 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost responded to the word. That's why they said, men and brethren, what must we do? They responded to the word. Peter's up there preaching. He's talking to leavens with him. There ain't no mistake about baptism. Baptism in Jesus' name has always been the way it was. 
Anybody that baptizes any other way, they're misinterpreting what the Bible says. The 11 would have tugged on Peter's robe and got him back and said, Pete, what, what, what's that? Oh, we're not, oh, not in Jesus' name? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You think that conversation wouldn't have happened? They weren't going to let 3,000 people go to hell. They weren't going to let 3,000 people die right there at the altar. We've got to quit making provision for people to die at the altar. Now, I know we all die spiritually at the altar, but there's people that perish at our altars because we fail to tell them, you got to repent. you got to get baptized in Jesus' name. you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Evidence of speaking in other tongues is the Spirit gives the utterance. We got to get that in our mind. We got to respond to the word. I think it's interesting. 38 years, he responded to the moving of the water. But when he responded to Jesus, his life changed. He took up his bed. I don't know how people that lays for 38 years react. But I don't think he said, thank you, Jesus. I'm on my way. Rolled up his bed, put it under his arm, went home, sat down, says, woman, what you got for breakfast? (laughs) I don't know how people for 38 years act when they get healed of whatever had them bound for 38 years. Years, but I guarantee you one thing I'd say there was no way to stop him from leaping and worshiping and praising God. Bethesda, oh, the house of mercy, the house of blessing, the house where things happen. And we find that Jesus said, Simply, wilt thou be made? Jesus said simply, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now I'd like to say this. Um, He followed every word that Jesus said. Now this is important because we we think, well, you know, I I dress right or, or I go to the right church. He followed every word that Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Take up thy bed and walk. Right? You know what he did? Took up his bed and walked. I think the full response to what Jesus said was the reason he was able to get off the porch. I believe that a lot of people get it half right. They're like horseshoes, they get close. Hand grenades, they get close. That's all you have to do with hand grenades, get close. It'll kill somebody. But you know what? If we don't get every word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, pastor, I just think that was for Paul's day. Are you part of the New Testament church? That's a good question, isn't it? 
Maybe we should ask people, say, well, that was for Paul's day or, or that was for, you know, uh, Timothy's day and all that. Well, are you part of the New Testament church? And we are, right? New Testament church ain't ended. We ain't been raptured out yet. So we are following the same thing that the disciples taught. In fact, the Bible says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what we have to do. This man followed every word that Jesus said. He could have felt the healing, but you know what? I think that he wasn't fully able to be mobile until he picked up his bed. Because you can't just do certain things the Bible says. We have to follow it all. We have to do it all. From Genesis to Revelation, we find that it's all about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, we find it's about trying to get back a relationship with the Lord. So now we understand that this man for 38 years followed every word that Jesus said. Take up thy bed, that's the first thing, and walk. Now, you can believe what you want to, but I'm kind of a person that believes like this. The Bible says what it means and means what it says. And I kind of believe that the man couldn't walk until he got his bed up. Or else Jesus would have just said, rise up and walk. Go on your way. He said, take up thy bed and walk. That was a good thing. Not going to leave your problem behind. You're going to take it and show others. Look what the Lord has done. That's why I'm still carrying my bed around. Because I'm going to tell people about my heart condition that was healed. I'm going to tell the Lord how the Lord saved my family. I'm going to tell how that I've seen people baptized in his name and go down in his name and repent and all these things and get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues and then shout under the influence of the Spirit of God, I want to carry my bed with me. Because some people's going to say, what's your bed for? Going camping? You going camping? No, this is this is where I was this was where I was at for 38 years. Now look at me. Woo! Now, now I, I don't I don't suggest you go get your old liquor bottles and beer bottles and carry them around, but uh, all your drinking buddies can look at you now and you got your spiritual bed in your arm and they say, hey, ain't seen you at the bars lately. That's what I used to be. This is what I used to be. Look at me now. I believe that we all have that story, right? We all have that story that we can say, look at what the Lord has done. I've, I've got my bed here. Uh, what's that bed for? I, it's to tell people what the Lord has done. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me and it was just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day he's just the same. Come on and praise him. 
Look what the Lord has done. You see, what's, what's, what's that bed about you got rolled up under your arm? 38 years I laid on a porch. 38 years I watched people die. 38 years I was not able to go home. 38 years I had nobody that cared about me. 38 years there was nobody that came to my rescue and wanted to help me get to the moving of the water. 38 years. But then along came Jesus. And Jesus just simply spoke to me. You see, I've, I've quit looking for people to do flip-flops before I get my healing. I'm not, in fact, I'm not even waiting on you to get my healing. You shouldn't wait on me to get your healing. If we all wait on each other, if we all wait on each other, what a miserable time that will be. I write songs. <laughs> they ain't good, but David's songs didn't rhyme either. <laughs> What's that bed for? 38 years I was on that porch. You mean that porch at Bethesda? Yeah, that's where I was at. You mean where those people die and those people are miserable and, 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 and only one can get healed every now and then? Yeah, that porch. You see, if I was in a church that only preached that you could get certain things every now and then, I'd get out of that church. I'd find me a church that says you can have whatever you need today. You, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till the next revival. You don't have to wait till the next preacher. You don't have to wait for the next song. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. What's that under your arm? 38 years? That's what's under my arm. 38 years of misery and sickness and, and, and not being able to walk. And, 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 and so I'm not letting down. I think, this is just me. This is first chapter of Brother Richard's mind. This is what I think. I think that the, the man was so faithful in obeying God's words that he did not want to lay that bed down ever. Now some people might say, well, sooner or later, Pastor, you got to lay the bed down. Not this bed. This is my healing. I don't claim it on Sunday and on Monday go out and do whatever. I got something under my arm. It, you see, it reminds you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It reminds you of what the Lord has done. That's why when you look in the mirror, ladies and gentlemen, you ought to see holiness in the mirror. It reminds me. It reminds me. It reminds me. Oh, I, I was uh, thinking back when I first started serving the Lord. I had, had to borrow a guitar. I didn't own one. I had one when I was 12. It was a Winston brand. Not the type you smoke, but a guitar. My mama bought it for me for Christmas, a year before she died. And I thought, man, she wants me to learn to play guitar. She could play the guitar. She could play piano. I tell my family this all the time. And my family looks at me like I'm crazy. Mother. We called her mother, not mama. We called her mother and, and, and called daddy, daddy. But mother could play the guitar. And you know what? 
her fingers in later years after my youngest brother was born became infected and uh, and gangrene set up and and they were just literally eating the flesh it looked like what you would see leprosy is what it looked like and, and uh, sepsis set in and that's what killed her but you know she would play the guitar even with her sore fingers she would play she hears C here's G here's D if you know G C and D you can Johnny Cash all day long <laughs> so I learned G C and D and then you know what I had a brother-in-law who could play the guitar, and the first song I ever learned, and the only song I ever knew when I got in church, Little Brown Jug. <laughs> Some words is, ha, 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 are you and me, Little Brown Jug, don't I love thee? I don't know. I'd play that song, and I was like, I'd get my stand going on. I come to church, I sit beside of Brother Charlie Hunt. Brother Charlie Hunt was a guitar player's guitar. He's like Brother Tig, and they could burn it up. His guitar, he played it so much that the frets and the wood was grooved out. And every now and then, he'd take strings off and put wood filler in and fill it back in. But he played the same guitar. And he'd play, and man, he'd let that guitar ring, and I'd sit beside of him. He'd be in G, and by the time I hit G, he was already in D. My timing's worse than it is now. That's hard to believe, I know. My timing is worse than it is now. <laughs> but I sat there and I watched him. He'd change, I'd change. He'd change, I'd change. Then he went to some chord I didn't know, and I'm like, I don't know what that chord is. I'll go back to G. But you know what? I watched him and watched him and watched him borrow the guitar because I didn't have one. And I don't borrow just any old guitar. It was a Martin. Yeah, we're going to talk to Lyle. And my wife's uncle said, you take care of that. <laughs> That's a very important guitar after my daddy. <laughs> so you want to don't scratch it. <laughs> so anyway, I played that for a while. And then I decided to buy me one. And I bought me a Gibson, J45 Gibson. I still got it. It's falling apart at the seams, but I still got it. Then I, I heard, a, heard a, a group come, and they was playing the bass, one of them was. And I thought, ooh, look at that. I ain't never seen a bass guitar play. So I watched and watched. I thought, man, that's all the same much as all the music. So I said, we done got a guitar player. In fact, we had probably several guitar players. Just trust me. We may have had four, five, six, seven guitar players at one time. So I said, no bass player. So I said, I'm going to learn to play the bass. I like to give my wife and everybody in church. I'm the whitest white man you ever seen, so I don't have no rhythm. And and so so I, I was two or three beats still like I am right now, behind, trying to catch up. But you know what? I learned to play, and and so now the reason I still hold on to a bass is because it reminds me where God brought me from. Little Brown Jug, the glory 
and praise and honor unto my God. Amen. Amen. I, I, I would like to just keep us in mind. The bed that we have rolled up, it may be a, a bed of aggravation. You may be so aggravated today that you come to church and this is your, this is your two hours of peace of mind. It's kind of like being in a spa. Just two hours of peace of mind. And you may have been going through something sick uh, disease-wise and, and you come to church and you're wanting to get healed, you're wanting deliverance. You may have faced a lot of things I don't have a clue about. And I always try to be uh, mindful of this when I'm preaching because some people don't need me to really thump the Bible and, and, and talk about, uh, you know, maybe a, a dress code when they're going through something terrible in their own life. Sometimes they just need to hear Jesus will help them. Sometimes you can't preach standards every time you get up. You've got to preach some other things. God loves you. He'll, he'll heal you. He'll bless you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll provide for you. All according to his riches in glory. There's a whole book here to preach. And I've got to be mindful that sometimes people need to just be comforted with the word. The Bible does say comfort one another with these things. So sometimes we have to comfort people that's, that's messed up. I don't mean messed up, but I just mean messed up. Got my bed here. 20, 38 years. 38 years. I, I'm, I'm walking around now. Look at me. I'm walking. Well, why are you still carrying your bed? Because Jesus said take up that bed. I'm afraid if I lay it down, I'll quit walking. Some of us need to realize if you quit dressing holy, you'll quit serving the Lord. If you quit serving the Lord, you're going to pick up bad habits. You pick up bad habits, you may get hooked and addicted to things that you said you would never be involved in. So hold on. Don't lay it down. Look at somebody and say, don't lay it down. Don't lay it down. I can't lay down. I can't lay down my experience. I've heard people say, well, praise God, you call me at one more time. I'm going to lay my religion down, and then I'll pick it back up. No, you better hold on to it. You might get whooped on top of it. It'd sure be bad to get whooped with no religion. <laughs> if I'm going to get whooped, I won't whoop and have my religion. Right? So Jesus made this um, man, um, gave him a word and made him understand, if you follow simply what I say, things are going to change in your life. That's why we need to study the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts and divides asunder. It is something that can get in places that nobody else can get there. That's why sometimes when the preacher's preaching and it hits you, you say, man, that preacher was preaching all over me. There's one person that I heard testify last week, and they was talking about how that uh, when they was being preached to, they thought the preacher knew everything about them because they was telling them everything they'd been doing and what they'd been involved in and all that. Didn't realize the Lord was just digging at him a little bit to try to get him to come to an altar. You see, sometimes we need to understand. I like what it says. Don't pass up the opportunity. 
Don't pass up a season. Don't pass up today. Today is the day of salvation. So we can be saved or we can be delivered. I, I tell people this all the time. The Lord is my Savior. You know what that means. He not only saved me from the pits of hell and from sin. He saves me on a daily basis. He saves me when I get on these highways. Man, I don't know what people, well, I do know what people's doing. And they're driving along. Then all of a sudden they look up. And you know what? They got half of my road. And I, I tell my wife this all the time. I need at least half of my road. At least half of my side. That's what I, I talk to them as they go by. I need at least half of my side. Callaway, you ain't got a half. The half's done gone, so if they're on your side of the road, you're, you're in trouble. Jesus was not a household name because the man just simply called him sir. He turned the water into wine at a wedding, and people were asking questions about him. Who is this person? But the fame was starting to spread. Not everybody knew Jesus, just like today. Not everybody knows Jesus, right? You can talk to people today, and, and it's, it's really amazing to me. It's a sad amazement that there are some kids and teens who have never heard about Jesus here in the U.S., here in this area. They've never been to church, never been to Sunday school. They don't know nothing like you know. You know what? They need to be saved. We need to start witnessing, teaching them. This is, you know, my wife, she teaches classes and, and uh, different things, and, and they'd be people just say, I've never heard that before. They've never heard Bible stories before. Jonah and the whale. Everybody knows about Jonah, right? Nope, not everybody. All of us do. Because we've, we've got, thank God, we've got preachers and teachers that keep telling us about it, right? The day that I walked up to this pulpit, closed this Bible, and, uh, and sat it on a stool and tell you, you know, we all just are so blessed. And I tell you about how good you are and how, how you are magnificent and we're giving and love for one another. You know what? Everybody's going to forget about Jonah. Everybody's going to forget about the man for 38 years. Everybody's going to forget. I asked a young minister's conference. We had a we had a, probably about seven or eight ministers up on the platform, and uh, I got to ask them questions. And we do this every year when we go to Alpha Omega Conference. And I got to ask them questions, and, and Brother Stocks is always saying, Give me some questions, Mr. McKay. Give me some questions. I said, and I said, no, no I'm gonna, I got my own questions. And, uh, and so one day I said, does the Bible say anything about being addicted? I got tickled. Uh, no, sir, I don't believe it does. Put the mic down, next person. Uh, no, sir, I've never read that. Next person comes along. 
I don't believe I've ever heard that. Went down the line. Nobody had ever heard it. Opened it up. And they were addicted to the ministry. You see, we got to get addicted. Addiction is a powerful thing. Addiction will make you want something even when you don't feel like it, even when you haven't slept well, even when you haven't been a, a going through a good day. Addictions will make you pursue that. So if I'm addicted to ministry, if I'm addicted to the Word, if I'm addicted to ministry, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to seek out somebody to talk to Jesus about it because I'm addicted. And the only thing that supplies that addiction is when I go to somebody that doesn't have that addiction. Now, let me tell you something about the world. <laughs> Very few addicts look at their party friends and say, No, you, you settle down over there. I don't want you to become an addict. No, they want them to become an addict. You know what? We ought to be want people to be addicted to ministry to the Word, to Jesus, if you will. And, and, and the only thing that, that fixes, you know, everybody talks about addiction, you've got to have a fix. The only thing that fixes my addiction is to get somebody else who don't know nothing about the Word or ministry or Jesus and win them to Jesus. And that feeds my addiction because they get addicted. Now, I know everybody's thinking, man, he's talking about addiction. He don't know, man. Drugs and LSD and crack and coke and all this stuff. Man, I tell you what, it just destroys. It does destroy people. I'm not talking about crack and coke. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about being addicted to the ministry, being addicted to the Word, so that you want others to be an addict. Ooh, is that Okay. The Jews wanted to kill Jesus. Many wanted to do away with him. In fact, they wanted to throw him out of the city. They wanted to toss him over a hill one time. But I want to close with this because I think this is something that uh, we can kind of hold on to. 38 years. 38 years of waiting for a miracle at the pool. And when Jesus showed up, he healed this man. 38 years. Now he's made whole. Now he has his bed under his arm. Everybody that sees him, who are you and what's that bed under your arm? Because I don't think everybody knew he was the porch guy. Wouldn't it be bad to be called the porch guy? Wouldn't it be sad if somebody only referred to you as the 38-year-old cripple? Wouldn't it be sad if somebody just looked at you and said, you know what, that's that guy, he's been, you know, crippled, and he's probably putting on because now he's walking. But now they see his bed. Now they see him walking. So I'm sure the bed became a conversation piece. What's that bed? I laid on it for 38 years. What's that bed? That was my home day and night. What's that bed? That was how miserable I was before I met Jesus. What's that bed? 
that is why why I, I, I rejoice today is because that bed doesn't rule me or bind me anymore because Jesus set me free. How many is glad that Jesus has set you free? The Word of God is powerful. If you will let the Word of God speak to you and you respond to it. How many knows that we have to respond to the Word? If we respond to it, we're going to find that everything that Jesus said is true. I don't believe he's a liar. I don't believe he's a deceiver. I don't believe this is some man-made concoction of a religion. I believe it's for people who for 38 years have had a problem. People for 38 years has laid in places that you know you didn't need to be laid. 38 years and now all of a sudden Jesus just simply says, take up thy bed and walk. That's what I leave you with today. Take up your bed and walk. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. word this morning enjoyed it again like uh, brother McKinney was talking about packing that bed around that's your testimony never never lose your testimony of where God's brought you from and how good he's been to you that came on this morning worked our way back in we got any birthdays or anniversaries today
example a few options. You have a giving card. You want to sow seed? Time to give it to a child that's got a need. ready to sing, kind of change the service just a little bit, transition. How many is glad for liberty? I woke up with a song on my heart this morning. Uh, everybody likes a song. I, I pray that you wake up with a song about the Lord, a good song on your heart every morning. But there's liberty. The Word of God says in Luke 4 and 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. Those that they're needful. Amen. Not just the food and, and clothing and things, but needful. The poor in spirit. Those that have a need. Amen. We should be taking the word to them. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, them that are bound. And one more scripture before we get into the singing. It says, now the Spirit of the Lord, this is 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. The Spirit of the Lord, it, now it, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom, amen. I, I woke up with this song this morning on my mind, freedom. It says, I want to clap a little louder than before. I want to sing a little louder than before. If you want victory, if you want freedom, if you want deliverance this morning, I urge you to clap a little louder than you did in the past, to praise a little harder than you did the last service, amen, to come to the front and lift up his name a little louder than before. How many wants victory? How many wants freedom, amen? How many needs liberty? Well, I invite you right now to come with us, to lift up the name of the Lord, amen, to worship, amen, in the beauty of holiness. Come on to the front.
I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I've met the author of my story, and he's mine. Yes, it's mine. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. I can't 
our ushers come we're going to take up today's offering give us the lord blesses you and uh, i know that there will never be a time you will find yourself down at the intersection with a sign saying need help with food if you're faithful to the lord you'll never be begging for bread let's pray lord we come before your presence we thank you lord for this opportunity to give i pray lord that you would bless each and every one that has to give Bless us to leave this place knowing, Lord, that when we obey your word and fulfill your word, that we have promises that cannot be broken. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Yes, it is. It is just a matter of time. I'm just waiting for somebody to say the Lord came through. When it seemed like there was no way out, the Lord came through. I'm waiting for somebody to give that testimony. Amen. Brother Keith's going to sing her song today. and She's hunting it up. We'll give a little opportunity for somebody just to give a mighty hand clap unto Jesus right now for all that he does. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful day outside. I'm going to try to sing this song. sung this song and it has just as much meaning today as it ever did hope I've got the right key
One of the things is that when the Lord comes back, he's got many crowns on his head. And uh, the Bible says that he has many crowns. That's why I repeat that, because he is victorious. And the reason he has many crowns, there's no king greater than him. There is no Lord greater than him. Amen. I am going to serve him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I was studying last night, and one of the things that I began to look at, um, I want you to turn with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, 1 Chronicles chapter 21, and uh, I want to begin reading in verse number 1, 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 1. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. I love the Lord. First Chronicles 21 and verse number 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan. And 
Bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered the Lord, Make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a curse of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed, always does, against Joab. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. He didn't want to do it, but the king said do it. I want to speak to us. I want to stop right there. We'll talk a little more about some of the things that David had to experience. But I want to talk to us today from verse number 1. It says, and Satan stood up. And I want us to just yell this title tonight, today. I don't want you to whisper it. I don't want you to worry about waking a baby. I don't want you to worry about scaring somebody. I want you to say this title with me, and the title is simply, Tell Satan to Sit Back Down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would just bless us today as we have come to preach your word, that you would anoint us and give us a word that is going to help somebody get the victory over the opposition of the enemy. Lord, I pray that right now you'd help somebody stand up and just tell the devil to sit back down. Lord, I pray that you would bless us today as we study your word, that you'll get the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a mighty shout into the Lord. Somebody shout, Satan, sit back down. You may be seated. When I read things, things jump out to me. This is the first time that the, it is recorded in God's word that the devil is mentioned as Satan. It is the first time that we read the devil's name as Satan, which means adversary or one who stands against. I believe that today we can understand that when David began to number Israel, it was really not David that was wanting to number them. David had seen how the Lord had come through. The, the Lord had blessed him in so many battles to win. He didn't worry about how many people. Up until this time, David was not worried about the number. He just knew God was going to take care of it. He just knew the Lord was going to come through. So he didn't worry about a number. But there came along Satan who is always coming and accusing the brethren, which is you all. He's come to try to be in opposition to you, to get you to sit down and to yield to some of the temptations that he wants to throw at you. Satan's 
temptation to David was that David would number Israel. Now, there's a lot of things that that entails because David needed not to worry about how many people because Joab and the rest of the people there began to encourage him and say, the Lord has given us so many people. The Lord has done so much for us. He'll win the battle. He'll take care of this. But there was that temptation and there was another speech in 1 Samuel 14 and 6 where the, the writer said, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. I wish that somehow today we would understand that it is not the number that we need to worry about. It is trusting God in our battles, trusting God in our dilemmas, trusting God when things are going wrong, trusting God when things are turned upside down. David was tempted of Satan to number Israel, which means David was tempted not to look to the Lord for the winning battle, for the winning of the battle. He was not looking to the Lord. Satan tempted him. You don't need the Lord. You see, sometimes people get in that dilemma. Satan tempts people, I don't need Jesus. I got a good lawyer. I don't need Jesus. I know the judge. I don't need Jesus. I got friends in high places. Well, you see, if we get in the place where we don't look to Jesus, we're going to be tempted just like David was, which David was tempted not to trust the Lord, but now let's trust the number. Let's trust each other. Let's trust each other. And so all of a sudden he starts numbering the people of Israel. I thought this was interesting that Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. Joab didn't like it that David wanted to number the people. We don't need a number. We just need the Lord. We don't need a number. We just need the Lord. That's why... That's why you don't have to wait till the next big revival or the next KYC or the next uh, uh, rally that we have or the next uh, gathering that we have and say, well, if there's a lot of people there, then I can get what I need because I'll be encouraged by the other people. David was tempted to look to the people instead of look to God. And Satan stood up. And I wish that David had enough of God in him that he would have looked at Satan and said, Satan. Satan, set back down. I'm going to help some of us because when Satan stands up against your faith, you need to shout, Satan, set back down. I wish I had a little help in the house when Satan stands up against your family and starts messing with your family and the peace of your family. You ought to stand up in the midst of it all and shout, Satan, set back down. Come on, somebody shout it again. Satan. Don't you get up in my face, Satan. You sat back down. Don't you mess with my family. You sat back down. Don't you mess with my peace and contentment. Sat back down. The Lord didn't need a number. A minimal or a maximum. He can win battles all by himself. But pride flared up. Caused David 
to think that he doesn't need God to win his battles anymore. He could fight them on his own. He could trust the people. Now, that's why the Bible says put your faith in no man. Put your trust in no man. Men will let you down. Friends will let you down. You'll say, man, I got some good tight friends, and man, we stick together like glue, and when I'm down, they pick me up, and when they're down, I pick them up, but they will let you down one day. But I've never read in the Word of God where the Lord let anybody down. Not one time. I feel the Holy Ghost in this. You see, when the devil stands up against your marriage, you just stand right up and say, Satan, come on, you got to help me preach. Ain't no use for me to strain with this little vein sticking out. Say, Satan. Woo, didn't you already give a hand clap? I'm going to teach us how to worship. When, when you say the title of Satan, set back down, it's not just the title of a sermon. You're actually telling Satan, get out of my face. That's what the Bible says. Satan, get behind me. We ain't got no business letting Satan stand up. Knock his feet out from under him with the word of God. I believe that sometimes we got to understand that when the devil rises up against revival and says you won't have revival, revival's gone, it's a thing of the past, and you ain't got the right people and enough people to have revival, we ought to say All right, we're getting in now. We're getting there now. When it seems like that Satan stands up and tempts you to walk away from God and begin to go back to the world, you just shout. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. I'm going to tell all of us ministers, if you think for a moment that the devil's going to stand by and let us do our thing and look good while we're doing it, it ain't happening. The devil's going to stand up and he's going to try to infiltrate the ministry and get ministry divided and devour the enthusiasm and devour the desire that young men would have to serve Jesus. But we got to stand up together and shout, Satan, set back down. I tell you, Satan's he's he's tricky. He's sly, he's slick, he he's he tricked Eve and uh and Adam. And we understand that he also tricks us many times because he makes us think sometimes we no longer need the Lord, that we can do this on our own. Now I will tell you, there are some things you need to do on your own. You need to get up out of bed and come to Sunday school. <laughs> the Lord ain't going to kick you out of bed and dress you and then put you in the car and drive you here. Right? You got to want to. We're living in a world that it seems like that Satan is tricking them more and more to walk away from the Lord. It seems as if religion is way down of what it used to be. The influence of religion on people's life is at an all-time low. Some of the figures was that I think it's uh, 
uh, was one of the figures they throwed out there, and another figure was a little higher, and another figure was a little lower. But you know what? If people don't believe in Jesus, if people don't believe that the Lord can control situations, turn situations around, then why in the world are we gathered here? Because I know my God is able. I know my God can do it. To him, there's nothing to it. We ought to just stand up and quit letting Satan stand up in a service and just say, Satan, sit back down. When you want to hang up your drumsticks, Satan, sit back down. When this right here don't mean nothing no more to you, Brother Keith, we got to stand up and say, Satan, sit back down. Woo. I'm just helping us right now. Somebody might get nervous, but the only person nervous in church ought to be Satan. And if you think he don't show up, he's here. But I'm going to tell you, we're just going to shout it one more time. Satan, sit back down. I'm going to tell you, Sunday school teacher, something. When it comes time that you say, I don't enjoy my class, I only got one kid, stand up and say, Satan, sit back down. I'm going to help you. You didn't yell at that time. If you don't yell it, then it's hard telling what the devil's going to do to you. But if it comes to a time when you want to hang up your Sunday school class or singers, you want to hang up singing. I don't want to sing no more. They ain't got the parts no more. We ain't got the number no more. We got to say, Satan, sit back down. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed all the songs the singers sung today. They learned a new one this morning, the last one. Yeah, we stumbled a few places in it, but we still sung it. If you look at the words of that song, you realize that he's never failed you. And he ain't going to start now. That's why we got to tell Satan when he comes, all he is is a liar. Satan's a liar and the father of it. All he's going to do is come and tell you the Lord don't love you. Them people don't love you. Uh, that church don't care about you. But I'm going to tell you something. We ought to stand up and shout, Satan, sit back down. Now, I know some's going, they're walking around and all the things going on. And I know summer's coming up and Brother Jerry's turned 79, but... I'm telling you, some of you younger men ought to be enough uh, a God in your life to come and weed eat at the church and mow grass and clean windows and do stuff that needs to be done around the house. Some of you young ladies need to get up with all the house cleaners and say, what do I need to do? How can I help you? Can I clean a Sunday school room for you? Can I clean an upstairs? We ought to get there, but no, Satan stands up and says, I ain't going to let you do nothing because you don't get no recognition. That's work. I'm going to tell Satan again, Satan, sit back down. Woo. I'm not hanging up what I'm doing for the Lord. The devil comes along. You think he don't talk to preachers? You think he ain't been on my shoulder a time or two and all the years I've served the Lord. You think he ain't come to me and said, why don't you just throw in the towel? 
why don't you just call it quits? Retire. I look at Satan, I say, Satan, sit back down. Just sit back down. Just tell Satan to sit back down. When the devil tells you you got better things to do than to come to church. <laughs> when, when, when we take a trip on a rally and we got all sorts of kids that could go and they don't go, we ought to stand up and say, Satan! Amen! Oh, I know they got ball games and they got this and they got sleepovers and they got cookouts and they got this, they got that. Satan sat back down because Satan stood up against Israel. I think that's interesting. Why didn't it just say that Israel was provoked? Because Satan stands up because standing up is a symbol of authority. When somebody stands up, it means they're taking charge of the situation. That's why when you're sitting talking to somebody and somebody gets up on you and stands up, you're in trouble. They're getting ready to take authority over that situation. But I want to tell you something. Satan stood up to provoke David to number Israel. David, a man after God's own heart. I don't care how many years you've been in church. Satan's going to stand up one day on you. And what you do with him is going to be your business. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't set him back down, he's going to stand up and take authority over the situation. That's why when we stand in the house of God, we're taking authority over the devil. We're not letting him stand up in our face. Look at somebody and say, he ain't getting up in my face. Look at somebody and say, he ain't going to stand up here and stand in my face. I, I'm going to stand up against him. I'm going to take authority over him. Don't you know that the Lord has given us authority over the devil? I know, I know. We all just wimps and sometimes we just let the devil beat us up. We come in spiritual black eyes and blooded nose and tooth knocked out. What happened to you? I tell you, devil's been messing in my house, and the devil's been messing in my life, and the devil's been messing with my children. You gonna let him mess? I don't know about you, but we don't let little Perry Mason mess up the house. That's right. We gotta tell Satan to sit back down, because if we don't, he'll stand up, and we'll never have a shout. If we don't tell Satan to sit back down, we'll never get our, our, our uh, response to God right. If we don't tell Satan to sit back down, there'll be no more running the aisles. There'll be no more response to the Word of God. We'll be content just listening instead of responding. That's why I am declaring right now, Satan, sit back down. Amen, amen, amen. I want to close with this verse. I want to close with Psalms. And I want us to go to Psalms 84. 
Psalms 84. This is a good verse for all of us to read. And uh, I believe that if we can stand up and take authority over the situations that we face. You know, I, I was teaching the other day and I was talking about how that we just need to speak. When we come back on the white horses, and all you never rode a horse, you're going to get to one day. When we come back on riding horses, on white horses, riding behind Jesus, the Bible says that there's a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth to slay the nations with. That two-edged sword, I don't think, is a big metal sword just going back and forth. I think it's the Word. It's the Word of God. That's how powerful it is. No wonder Jesus didn't say, get you a shovel and dig that mountain down. We work ourselves to death trying to dig a mountain down. What are you doing? Trying to move this mountain. The Lord said, speak this mountain. Well, what's your shovel for? Or if I had me one of them big D, whatever, joysticks. Woo, D11. Woo. I could move that mountain. It'd take a while. But you know what? The Lord did not say, dig it down. He did not say to try to get your friends to come help you move it. He said, you speak. I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of us need to learn how to start talking this right here. Some of us need to learn how to talk this right here. We need to speak the word. Because Satan's going to stand up in your face. And if you don't know the word, he's going to laugh at you. You mean you've been in church 30 years and don't know how to get me out of your face? Oh, I wish I had a little help. You mean you've been in church for 10 years and you don't know how to get me behind you? That's what Satan does. He taunts you. He begins to talk big talk. See, Jesus, they don't love you. You let down this hedge. Job will curse you to your face. That's what the devil always does is taunt people thinking that somehow he has all the authority over them. But that's why when we stand up, when the church stands up, oh, there's coming a day when the church is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's coming a day when we're going to stand before the Lord and hear him say one of two things, enter in or depart from me. We're going to stand. Somebody say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand because it's a position of authority. And the Lord has given us his spirit. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So therefore, stand up right now and let's just take authority over the devil and shout, Satan, sit back down. Set back down. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There is a verse that I want to end with that is in Psalms 84. Psalms 84. It's talking about the tabernacle. Oh, how lovely.
lovely it is. How great it is to be in the house of the Lord. How great it is to dwell in thy house. Verse 4 says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. I read that verse and it tells me it doesn't matter how much Satan comes against you. If you'll keep standing in the house of God, you're going to be blessed. Somebody help me right now. You may have waded through deep waters just trying to get here. You may have waded through some valleys trying to get here. You may have been so aggravated before you got to church that you thought there ain't no use to come to church. Somebody ought to stand right now as you are and shout, Satan, sit back down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the singers to come. Hallelujah. And I, w- I want us to fill this altar because I know and understand that we all have been bruised and battered. But the Lord came to help those that are bruised and battered. The Lord came to help those that feel overwhelmed. Those that's had rough recoveries. Those that's had rough things they went through over the past year or two. Those of you that have family members you have to deal with that are so sick and so overwhelmed that you're just praying, God, they need you. For each and every one that's gathered here, hallelujah, we're taking authority right now over everything the devil tries to stand up and do against you. We're taking authority in the name of Jesus. We're taking authority in the name of Jesus because we understand that blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Oh, I'm glad that he's my strength. I'm glad that he's my help. I'm glad that I have the power to speak to Satan and say, Satan, sit back. Down. These are God's people. You can't have them. These are God's children. You can't have them. These are God's saints. You can't have them. As they sing, let's worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 